Finding Hope in an Unwanted Diagnosis on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. This week, I am delighted to have with me uh, Tim Keeter, who is a lay elder at Grace Community Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, Tim speaks quite often for us at ACBC in our regional CDTs, and also um, he's a frequent speaker at our annual conference during breakout sessions. In fact, this coming year in October, he's going to be one of our plenary speakers for our pre-conference called Human Suffering and Heaven's Hope. So Tim, welcome to the podcast. We're excited about the topic that we're going to talk about today. Thank you, Dale. It's always a pleasure to be here. Now, when we say we're excited to talk about a topic like this, it's certainly not because it's a fun topic to talk about. But I I will say um, it, it is good for us to have these discussions, especially when we think about these ideas of diagnosis, often terminal diagnosis or difficult diagnoses. Um, when we have a Christian paradigm, we think differently about these types of ideas. And, and Tim, you've experienced this type of diagnosis. You've sat in the room and heard those words of a difficult diagnosis. And for many of our people who are, who are counseling, they know they have loved ones who have uh, gone through this. Maybe they've gone through this themselves. And man, it's always difficult, even when you're a counselor, to know, what do I say? What do I do in difficult moments like that? You want to be encouraging, but you don't want to be deflating. And, and you've walked through that. So I, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, particularly uh, about your experience in ways that you can encourage uh, some of our counselors as they deal with this, maybe personally, but certainly as they encounter others who are walking through some of the difficulty as well. So, so in your life, you, you were diagnosed with, with cancer. Uh, how have you learned to find hope in this type of unwanted diagnosis? You know, one of the things I love about biblical counseling uh, is that the Lord tells us to love people. Uh, whereas the world might say, keep a safe distance, and, and uh, you're thinking about the, the right thing to say, but really the love we have for one another that is uh, controlled by the love of Christ, uh, as we see Paul says in Second Corinthians, is so important. And that was true for me practicing as a counselor for many, many years, uh, for 20 years actually before this diagnosis came about, and it was true for me during that as I was the one being ministered to. You know, and I wasn't free from sin and repentance during that account either. But I think the most challenging time for me to find active hope, not not to see something that I didn't already know in Scripture, but to find that hope, is at the very beginning. It's a it's a confusing context at the beginning because there's a great disparity between what you do know and what you really really want to know. I mean, the only thing I really knew was that I had multiple stage three thyroid cancers, and that was about it. I wanted to know if the doctors were going to be successful. I wanted to know if I was going to even be able to at least finish raising my three children. I wanted to know that if the Lord took me home, that Carmen, my wife, would be able to take on that additional burden as a single mom and that my children would not become embittered towards God. Uh, But I also knew something way, way more valuable, and and I knew God has always been faithful in my life and the life of of you and other believers, and that He is faithful right now and that He'll always be faithful. And that basically trumps 
any other concerns that we have if we really allow as a worship goal these moments to deepen our love and trust in Him and in Jesus. You know, it's an interesting dynamic when you bring up you're the husband, you're the guy of the house, and you're dealing with this on one level as someone who's being diagnosed. And even when you come to a place where you're finding hope in the faithfulness of the Lord, tell me about those early days of that diagnosis. You're wrestling with this and you know, we can look back now after four or five years and we can say, man, we really found hope in the Lord. Uh, but those first few weeks, I'm sure it was difficult to do that. So as you think back to that time and you're discovering the the beauty of the Lord's faithfulness, uh, think back about that time and talk about uh, what God uses as a means of comfort for you and, and for your family. You know, we can stand on, and we should, the many promises in Scripture, but we only really do that well if we trust and love the God who made those promises to us. And who God is by far is the most important dynamic and truth to cling to overall. And, and specifically, because of who God is, I knew I could rejoice because He was offering me something infinitely better than relief or even whatever my idea of fairness was. He was offering me grace. I, I don't need relief as much as I need benevolent sovereignty in those moments. So that, therefore, I, I, I'm free to not sin while I suffer. I'm free to, to live as a trophy of God's grace. I'm free and, and able, really it's a privilege, to use every affliction in my life to point others to God, um, to, be, to be chosen, uh, to have that chosen and, and wisely formed for my life now, especially now. But in the time, in the moment, it was important too, um, was just humbling to see. And, and that's really the big challenge, not to find joy after the trial so much, is to find it in the trial uh, and, and be able to say that everything God does, He does right and He does well. And, uh, you know, we, we find comfort in, in Scripture. Second Corinthians 1 is a wonderful passage. But there's something about that passage that in those early times, really meant the most to me. I'll read it to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction with the comfort, so that we'll be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And we read that and we see how present suffering prepares us for later ministry, and that's very good. But in those early weeks, the, the part of that passage that ministered the most to me was that my Father is the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. It's so easy to be tempted to seek comfort in statistics, probable outcomes of treatments, testimonials of other people that have been through this. But in 2 Corinthians, God reminds me that I already have the source of all true comfort, and that's God himself. It's, it's not, not anything else I might find. And, and so that really redirects your pursuits. Um, and, and it really just informs your prayers. You know, I, above all things, I have Christ, and that has to be enough. And it's in those moments where God just wonderfully strips everything out from under you that you might have been holding on to, and you're forced to really deal with that. Not long ago, I was reading a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, and he talks about this idea of the comforts of God. And he talks about the beauty of the comforts that God gives us through the Scriptures, talking about who God is and that we can find rest in Him. And he made a statement where he was describing that the reason that the comforts of God are so special is for us as believers, we walk through times where we deeply need comfort. And I think it's important for us to see here, I mean, you're an elder at your church, you're a mature believer, you've been walking with the Lord faithfully, you and your family for quite some time. 
to hear a diagnosis like this is not something you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean, there's wrestling, there's grief, there's even anxiety that you're facing. If not, if not falling into that temptation, you're definitely tempted by that. I think sometimes we have a misnomer that mature believers shouldn't deal with stuff like that. But the reality is when you hear something like that, man, you're wrestling, right? I mean, that, that was a part of where you deeply needed the comfort of God. Can you talk about what that wrestling was like very early on? You know, the psalmists do teach us that it's never right, obviously, to, to accuse God of wrong, but sort of in a sanctified, Lord, I just don't understand. You know, help my unbelief, help me in my weakness. And yeah, it, it rattles you. And so many things just come pouring in all at once, not just about me and my health and what's going to happen in the next six months and a year and five years. But how am I going to shepherd my children through this? Uh, how am I going to comfort my wife? I, I mentioned earlier, you know, I don't think I found I had as much trouble finding joy in my trials as it was to find joy in theirs. Um, so you're conflicted because I'm, I'm a father and I'm a husband as much as I am, um, you know, just Tim and all the other, other contexts that I live in. So, so tell me about that. As a husband and a father, you've just heard this diagnosis, but you're also thinking about, man, how am I going to tell my family this? There, You have young kids in the home, and uh, you, you're going to tell your wife this news. And uh, How do you go about doing something like that? The interesting thing about the medical process here is, is the Lord did actually provide some time for me to anticipate some of this. Um, it, even even when some of the you know nurses and, and those performing the tests were being fairly dismissive, oh, this is probably nothing kind of thing. I knew well enough that I, I needed to be prepared to have the hard conversation if it came. So the the thing that that I wanted to find comfort in that I knew as a biblical counselor that I had had called others to, and, and by the way, you know, all the things that I've been involved in with 20 years of, of teaching and instruction from NAIC and ACBC didn't have to change because I was experiencing it. Uh, but I wanted that as well to frame the context of the news. So basically, here's what I did. I sat down, you know, my wife and I went to lunch. We thanked the Lord. We prayed. We asked for wisdom. And then we got the kids together and went home. And uh, in Trusting God, the book Trusting God by Jerry Bridges, which is just a classic and, and is on my shelf and has been handed out to others uh, that I've, I've had the privilege to minister to, he, in the introduction, talks about Three things about the Lord that are very important to frame this, and that's that He's at all times perfect in love, infinite in wisdom, and completely sovereign. So we set the kids down. We said, hey, family meeting. They all sit down. They don't know what's about to happen. And I say, uh, guys, it was just my boys because my daughter was in college at the time. Um, we know that at all times God is perfect in His love, right? So that means at all times God wants what is best for us. Agreed? And they go, yeah, yeah, Dad, we get it. So what's going on? Well, we also know that at all times God is infinite His wisdom. So that means that not only does He want what is best for us, what? And my oldest son, Gabe, my, my little theologian, goes, well, Dad, that means that He also knows what is best for us. Exactly, Gabe. That's exactly right. And not only is He perfect in His love at all times, and not only is He infinite in His wisdom, not, but He's completely sovereign. So, so, guys, that means that at all times God wants what is best for us. He knows exactly what is best for us and what. And they answered properly. Um, he will bring it about no matter what. I said, are you, do you trust that? Well, yeah, Dad, yeah, we believe that to be true. Good, because I'm going to give you a chance to practice that right now. And, um, and then we had that conversation that, you know, truthfully was a hard conversation and uh, really not one that I hope the Lord doesn't call me to have again <laughs> anytime soon anyway. Um, but it was important to, um, to remember his faithfulness 
and to use that to frame then the hard conversation of where we're going to go from here. Well, I love the way that you're building the lens to help your kids to see this properly from God's perspective, from what we know about God, what he's revealed of himself. And man, what a lens to to be able to help your kids to see that well, even difficult news like that. You guys, it wasn't just your family fighting this battle. There were other means that God used uh, in the process. So just briefly talk about what some of those other means were that God used to sustain you guys through this process. Two others in particular. One was just in helping me to have a greater dependence on my church family. Grace Community Church in Huntsville uh, was a huge part of the story, and that's exactly what I wanted. They're, they're my church family. There's where my dearest friends are. And uh, it's a provision of the Lord in my life. And it's, it's good. I was, you know, cancer, disease, suffering, physical ailments, they're very humbling. And uh, it, it forces me to become dependent on them. And it gives me an opportunity to see God demonstrating his kindness towards me through others. Uh, and because Romans 8, 28 and 29, which teaches us that God causes all things to conform us to the image of our, our, our Savior, uh, applies to Grace Community Church as it does to me. So through my suffering, my dear church was being sanctified through my cancer. Uh, and that's important. You know, my, my, it was good for my family to sacrifice my church family. And to tell you the truth, what ministered the most to me was the things that I saw them doing for my wife and children, the letters, the, the extra attention they gave them. I think that was the most tender part of it. And uh, we can't forget either just the evangelistic witness that the Lord shaped so many people at my work and in our community were watching and to see our church just pouring out in love for us. Some of my neighbors even got just really frustrated because every time they tried to bring a meal over, it was already taken care of. <laughs> so, um, you know, just the Lord says, they will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And, and my church did that. One more major part of this, I think, is just keeping an eternal perspective, obviously, right? That's the the most important dimension of life. I think I heard Ted Tripp say one time, because the Bible calls a lifelong, even a lifelong trial, a little while. Um, and, and I can praise God that my greatest breakthrough is behind me. And that happened when, when, when he saved me, uh, knowing therefore that I will never suffer alone and I'll never suffer indefinitely. And one day we will worship together in a vast sea of worshipers, singing with one voice and uh, praising the Lord. And we will ultimately agree with him <laughs> for everything that he has brought about in our lives to bring us to that point. Yeah, and those temporal moments, that they don't seem temporal when you're in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but what I will say is when we have that future perspective of what God promises, uh, we can understand what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 4, that, that we're enduring light momentary affliction. And we have to remember that's in comparison to the eternal weight of the beauty of the glory of God when we walk with him and see him face to face. And Now, as we talk about all that, it's sometimes hard to walk through and, and to reminisce about that. Uh, we glory in what God has done. What about your health today? I, I'm sure all of us are wondering, uh, how's Tim today? What, what is the Lord doing in you today? So speaking of the cancer diagnosis, which was the uh, fall of 2014, right when I turned 45 years of age. So this December, December 2019, will be five years. And that's a an important statistical mark anyway when they measure these things. But uh, I'm, I'm grateful that the Lord has provided excellent medical care for me uh, through um, uh, UAB, actually, down in Birmingham. And uh, so far, we've not seen any recurrence. We go every six months, and uh, 
Carmen and I go together and we have a lunch that we don't enjoy a lot. And then we go see the doctor and we get our tests made. And we're, you know, the good thing about that is it just reminds me every six months that I'm in his hands. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, I want to remind you about our pre-conference coming up in October. We'll have our pre-conference on October the 7th, and I want to encourage you to join us. Tim will be talking about this, expanding some of the ideas about the beauty of heaven's hope and how that walks us through human suffering. And in fact, that's the title of our pre-conference, and we'd love to have you there. It's called Human Suffering and Heaven's Hope. If you'd like more information about our pre-conference or our annual conference for 2019, you can find out more information at biblicalcounseling.com.